Welcome to the Great Lakes Equity Center Equity Spotlight Podcast. This podcast series will highlight organizations and individuals in Wisconsin, Minnesota, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana who are working to advance equitable practices within school systems. This is the third episode in the Centering Equity and Educator Effectiveness podcast series. Each episode in this series will focus on demonstrating equitable practices in curriculum, instruction, or the learning environment. My name is Nikki Coomer. I am a graduate assistant with the Great Lakes Equity Center, and I will be hosting today's podcast. Today, we will be discussing the support of American Indian students by creating safe, inclusive, and responsive learning environments with Mr. Brian Jackson. Mr. Brian Jackson is president of Wisconsin Indian Education Association. The Wisconsin Indian Education Association is an organization that is proactively engaged in issues that affect Indian education. The WIEA hosts legislative breakfasts where board members have the opportunity to directly share with state legislators concerns on issues that affect Indian people in Wisconsin, including incorporating Wisconsin Indian history, treaties, and tribal sovereignty into the public school curriculum, restoring the Wisconsin Indian Indian Grant, addressing the use of Indian mascots, logos, and nicknames in Wisconsin public schools, and the distribution of gaming revenues under the gaming contracts. The WIEA also oversees the disbursement of scholarship monies for American Indian students in Wisconsin. Welcome, Mr. Jackson. Oh, thank you. Yes. Glad to be here. Yes, great. Um, you know, a major accomplishment of the WIEA um, is requiring all Wisconsin public schools to provide instruction in the history, culture, and tribal sovereignty of the federally recognized tribes and bands in the state. Um, and I was hoping you could share with us why it is so important that schools recognize, include, and embed the histories and cultures of American Indian students. Well, I'll, I'll give you a quick snapshot. Um, you know, if you could paint this picture of 1980s, 1988, uh, northern Wisconsin, and this time of the year around April when lakes are, uh, you know, on thawing out and uh, Ojibwe tribes exercising their treaty rights, uh, one of those tree rights is to uh, spear fish off reservation. And so the Trouble Boys from Lakota Ray, they actually had this uh, legal document uh, at the University of Scalaska in, in Duluth that they uh, had in their back pocket when they were exercising their tree rights in the late 80s. And so when you had uh, DNR, Department of Natural Resources, coming out there and uh, arresting the Trouble Boys, and the Trouble Boys said, well, we had this document, we had this treaty right documents saying that we can exercise our spearfishing treaty right. And so that really began a journey of, um, you know, what's now considered um, the Wisconsin Statute Act 31, how that came about. And from the late 80s there, when you had 22 law agencies gathered on, on boat landings in northern Wisconsin, uh, from National Guard to FBI, uh, other law agencies, uh, tribal police, um, you're talking hundreds of law enforcement agencies that were at the boat landings uh, keeping the peace and, and uh, the safety of, you know, more so for the native spears that were going out into the lakes uh, where they were experiencing gunshots, wow. uh, slingshots with rocks coming through the water, uh, a lot of racial slurs as they were entering the waters. Uh, so that, re- that really created a lot of controversy in the 80s, and, and which led to folks saying, Okay, we are, we don't understand why these uh, Indian people have this this special right to be spearfishing 
uh, at nighttime when when the lot when the lakes are thawing out, why do they have this privilege? And so a lot of history began from those tribal boys that document from the late 70s, in which stated that we could exercise, you know, from the 1842 treaties, uh, you know, and unceded territories now the different lakes in northern Wisconsin. So as a result of that, of that they call it the Wally War controversy. Um, state officials and um, tribal communities were concerned of uh, uh, school districts not understanding what uh, Native American treaties are about. And that really began a journey then uh, to, to 1991 when uh, Wisconsin Statute Act 31 was actually incorporated as a statute within the Department of Public Instruction, uh, stating that the uh, 424 public schools in Wisconsin had to provide some type of American Studies curriculum in their school district. Now, that could range anywhere from a school district having no non-Native students in their school to having a half-day of Thanksgiving pilgrim, you know, elementary type of saying that's, that's their Act 31 American Studies curriculum for the year, uh, versus in today's times, we have a couple exemplary folks from the Prescott uh, School District and also Black River Falls School District here in Wisconsin that have infused uh, into their history, social studies, and their science, uh, and their local tribal histories uh, year-round, uh, which those two gentlemen really have um, really set the bar when you're thinking of American Studies Act 31 of creating that awareness, uh, American Indian history, tree rights, uh, contemporary times, um, our ways of being. So, so that's really what uh, you know Wisconsin Act 31 is about. Uh, you know, and, and as a WI board, we've been uh, engaged in a lot of different efforts. So the mascot logo issue, uh, where Governor Walker two years ago had vetoed uh, the mascot logo law, which were which was creating a lot of momentum at that time. We had 33 schools in Wisconsin change their their mascot uh, logos and their and their um, you know their uh, team mascots, and so that was really one of the turning points for us as a board. Uh, of understanding, not questioning what schools are not doing, uh, but to really focus on what schools are doing. And so that's when we had uh, our, our last conference here in April, um, beginning of the, of the month, was to, uh, to address and to honor those two school districts, those two gentlemen, uh, for their exemplary work who are both non-native. And, and then the cool thing about Prescott School is that they actually come to Lack of Flambeau was walking here on the reservation for four days in the summer. And uh, part of their social studies and history class, it's not the first 15 students to raise their hand. Uh, these students actually have to have write a paper, which are reviewed by a core of teachers there. And 15 students are selected from those 60 students. So those 15 students, they, they, they want to be here in the community for those four days where they're immersed in uh, different areas in the community. They're, they're, they're camping out in one of the villages. Uh, Swagno Ojibwe Village uh, answer a lot of different questions. Um, so what, what, what a great experience. You, you talk about creating that, that awareness for uh, that particular school district. Now, in the community where I live, where you know, the walleye wars stem from, you know, uh, all that controversy I mentioned earlier was that we still have a lot of work to do here in high school. Um, you know, myself, I'm in high school uh, once a week uh, with the boys group. And uh, these high school boys are non-native or native boys. Um, you know, they they still tell tell me stories of racial slurs and all these uh, different challenges they still face. Uh, and so I've been able to uh, 
capture their testimony and, and, and really addressing um, these initiatives through their voice. Um, you know, I got the superintendent, he's part of uh, this journey with us, so we're, we're moving in a good direction. And, and one of the things that he had, we had talked about actually last week was how can Lakeland Union High School be in that conversation with those other exemplary schools? Because Lakeland Union High School, uh, you know, the community where actually one was initiated from. Uh, so that's what we're moving towards. You know, um, you know, we're at 31. Uh, there's no really black and white. Uh, we still have a lot of gray uh, because in the in the language, it, 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 there's no language that it mandates. Um, and that's one of the things uh, Alan Cobble, who actually wrote Act 31 from Menominee Nation, he said that was one of his downfalls where he had uh, two days to write this and then submit it to the state, uh, where he just wanted to provide the awareness was thinking at the time. And so, um, you know, not having a language of a mandating school districts is uh, what we're trying to push for. Um, we're grateful because we're actually going into the 27th year of its existence. Uh, we've been celebrating it for the last three years um, in different communities. Wow. Well, great. Thank you. It, it sounds like it was a huge step. And, and like you said, you know, still um, there's still progress to be made, but that it was a pretty landmark. Um, so thank you for sharing that. And thank you for sharing, uh, you know, the example that you shared with us, um, as well as the exemplary, you know, the exemplary school district and um, some of the things that they're doing. I am going to, um, I'm actually wondering maybe what are some other things that exemplary school districts are doing that, um, you know, if, if we have listeners who are hearing this and they're kind of wondering, okay, so what can I take back to my school or what can I take back to my classroom? Um, do you have any advice for people that might be thinking those things? Well, I guess particularly in Wisconsin, you know, with our work and all our partners we have uh, with the Department of Public Instruction uh, and also on our WIA website, uh, we've been working hard uh, with, our, with our website specifically is uh, providing resources, um, bits of pieces of curriculum models, um, in partnership with DPI, David O'Connor, who is the American Studies Consultant, uh, he's really available their their website uh, for a wealth of resources. And I think that's really the thing that you know folks could take away is you know looking at some of those different resources uh, in contemporary context. You know, and um, you know one of the things that David O'Connor and I both agree on. You know, as um, you know, folks have that perception of American Indians where uh, we all got casinos. We're all rich. We all get per caps. Um, you know, do communities still have, uh, do they have running water? You know, those types of thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're contemporary, just the next person. You know, that's one of the misconceptions, you know, um, in that, you know, thinking of contemporary times, you know. And, um, and also, you know, what, what communities that have uh, casinos, what uh, goes back into the communities. You know, where I live, we, there's a lot of money that goes in back into the health programs the dental program, uh, our education, our natural resources, our, you know, our um, other business ventures that the tribe is going on. So, you know, a lot of tribal communities, they actually have a lot, are, are the biggest employer. When you think of the, the 11 tribes in Wisconsin and the surrounding communities, they are the biggest employer. Uh, you know, how much um, opportunities within working those communities. So I, I think folks don't see it from those lenses as well of, um, you know, opportunities working for tribal communities. Right. Yep. I have teachers in Wisconsin. Um, 
you know, when they have American Indian students in their classroom, if they can recognize some of the unique lived experiences that American Indians actually bring to their classroom, um, you know, and so... Yeah, and that's a tough one, too, because, I mean, you have, you got a high percentage that live in urban areas, you know, whether it's Green Bay area, Milwaukee area, you know, uh, across area, Eau Claire, you know, some of the bigger communities that have uh, American families living in those areas, you know, versus uh, reservation life. So reservation life, and you're, you're talking uh, non-native teachers that uh, have those opportunities because part of their employment with some of these school districts, you know, there's orientation process that will give them some awareness, some basic foundations to to go on, you know, with some shared resources to understand their local community. You know, for example, in Lake of Flambeau here, uh, we've been uh, strengthening our efforts to provide uh, some immersion type uh, one to two days uh, for students or for teachers, I should say, at the be- um, end of the year and the beginning of the year, um, take them around the reservation, and so they know uh, the different different historical parts of the reservation, um, the dynamics, you know, that we all face as a society in general. We're talking about drug and alcohol abuse and other uh, substance abuses that um, plague a lot of our students. You know, mm-hmm. as I say, generally because it's not just Indian culture; it's all over. Uh, but I think when if you look at the demographics of Indian communities, where um, the, the the percentage is, is is greater and higher for poverty, uh, I know in like the Flamboy, you know, we're probably around you know thirty five percent are employed, you know, of and the rest are um, these other types of behaviors and um, not working, and so so I mean when you when you think of the other side is the urban Indians that are kind of lost. You know, not, not understanding their ways of uh, who they are, you know, growing up as a concrete Indian that's been labeled, you know, not be able to come up here and, you know, participate in some of the things that we're doing, like right now, spirit fishing season going on, maple sugar goes on during this time of the year, uh, the different seasonals of hunting, uh, wild rice gathering in the fall, uh, just the continuous fishing that goes on throughout the year. You know, so a lot of these families in the urban areas don't, don't get those opportunities to experience some of the reservation life. So you have those, you know, those equations that, that, that could hinder, um, you know, a non-native teacher be able to identify, especially if you're in an urban area, you know, to really um, facing the same, uh, whether it's poverty or whatever may be going on, uh, some of those similar issues. So so I think it, it's, um, I think it comes down to orientation, you know, in school districts, you know, to really answer that question to where administration and leaders are able to provide, uh, you know, a really strong uh, beginning point for them. Great. Thank you. Um, So something that I have, or something that you mentioned that I um, am curious about is the work that you've done with the um, addressing uh, mascot logos and the mascot logo law. One of the issues that I came across while I was while I was doing research to write some of these questions for our interview um, did have to do with addressing American Indian stereotypes in schools, um, and so I know that addressing addressing mascots is is a piece of that. Um, could, would you mind giving Would you mind telling me a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, you know, being being associated with you know WI board, I mentioned two thousand five. I've been had the opportunity to. Um, be under the wing of Barb Munson, who was really, I'll say, the guru 
Um, you know, she's one of our elders, and she's been doing this work for about 25 years of uh, creating change of mascot logos uh, within school districts and uh, really being the coordinator uh, a lot of different events, um, you know, also, which all included the uh, Redskins uh, professional football team, which were when they had a game in Green Bay, uh, or, or some folks went over there and were uh, protesting, protesting the Redskins. So when we think of those different, uh, you know, from professional sports that, that trickle down, you know, to the high schools, when you got, like, say, example, whether it's the Atlanta Braves or Cleveland Indians baseball teams, you know, when they got their tomahawk chocks going on and how those carry into the schools and different um, students, you know, putting their hand over their mouths and going, ooh, you know, some of those types of gestures, you know, um, to how does that really impact uh, Indian students, you know, which has a big impact. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, where years ago, you know, with the boarding square where uh, we were forced to um, have our language stripped from us, you know, as Indian people, you know, that's, we talk about historical trauma, um, how that still plays in the state, you know, whereas that period of time where uh, late 80s, 90s, you know, a lot of Indian people were, were almost uh, ashamed of being Indian because of all the things that were going on against us, and which included mascot logos, you know, and and how that uh, created, you know, shame for students walking through school doors, you know, seeing a big Indian up on there or whatever logo was mascot, you know, walking through school and seeing that and having big prep rallies and students, you know, making these gestures and you know and you know being a small percentage of the American Indian population across. United States, and we're small people to begin with, you know, and so, I mean, when you really look in a crowd of, you know, if you're in a school district of 12, 1,500 students, and, you know, it's probably maybe, luckily we got 10 in some schools, 10 Indians, you know, mm -hmm. you know, how to really put you in a, in a corner of thinking, you know, like, you just want to go in a corner, you really want to be part of that big, you know, big tomahawk chalk, you know, or different gestures that are being made, you know. And, and so you know, there's that whole process and those generations that went through that, you know, and, um, you know, how that's played out to today, you know, of um, where a lot of educators have made that stance, you know, to really understand those traumatic um, consequences that students face, you know. And, you know, some of the work that we've been able to do as a, as, as a board with our mascot logo issue, um, I mentioned Bart Munson, she's had, is a, is the head of our task force and has um, went into school districts, you know, trying to create that awareness. Uh, another gentleman from Oneida, his name is Richie Plass, where they have a display. You know, they talk about a lot of articles, a lot of um, artifacts. Um, I mean, it's a really cool setup. I mean, there's a lot of racial um, articles on there. Um, you know, even the wallet where they're talking about you know, a spear, spear, uh, Indian kill an Indian. I mean, a spear, uh, wallet kill an Indian, and those types of messages. So, but ultimately, you know, what she was able to, to do over the years was looking at um, Dr. Freiberg's uh, work uh, on mascot and logos issues of how that um, affects students' learning, you know, when they walk through those doors. And so with Barbara's work, what she was able to do was to create this core team over the years, to go into school districts, have these displays, uh, talking to leaders, superintendents, 
school boards, teachers, students, families, you know, how, how is this affecting, you know, both Native and non-Native, you know, not just Native students, it's, it's on both sides. And so people were actually getting the understanding of, of um, having their, their foot in our shoes, so to speak, of um, having those different types of feelings, uh, where she was able to create change, you know, in 33 schools across the state uh, before Governor Walker's veto. And, and, and part of that journey, and I, that was just probably about three years ago, uh, I was invited down to Madison DPI to testify. Uh, this was the Oshkosh Indians. And so I watched a number of folks ahead of me testify, including Barb Munson, and they had their legal team, you know, questioning credentials and education and background. And so they were kind of Googling Barb. You know, she had a Bachelor of Arts and some other degrees and, and questioning her background. You know, she explained what she was doing, the number of years she's been doing that. Um, <clears throat> we had the whole Chunk Nation come in there and present, and uh, one of the ladies uh, was given permission from their tribal council. And so I'm sitting in the back and listening to this lawyer from Oshkosh say, how do we know that whole Chunk history is legitimate and accurate of what you're saying to us? You know, I'm sitting in the back thinking, you know, she's just explaining to that she was given to present her history. So the time I get up there, you know, <clears throat> they ask who I am, what my role is, and I explain to them what my role is and my background a little bit. And and, um, and I said, well, I'm not going to finish answering the questions, you know, about my education until you, if you want to know about it. And so they asked me a few more questions, and at the end of the day, they said, well, what is your education anyway? You know, I told them I was a doctoral student at the time, you know, and I'm a doctoral candidate in uh, business education. And um, their attitude changed, you know, and then suddenly I became Mr. Jackson, you know, when, it, when it was, my testimony was over and I had the superintendent patting me on the back and, oh, what's your dissertation going to be on Mr. Jackson, you know, and, uh, but you, know, you could see the whole demeanor change of, um, you know, the higher the degrees went up, to, uh, we were on a level playing field with him. And so you know, that, that, that's been part of the struggle too, you know, with our Indian leaders of um, being equal at the table of like these different issues. Um, you know, whether it's Act 31 or mascot logo. Um, but, you know, things things have uh, taken a turn. I mean, there's a lot of momentum in the country uh, across the United States. So, I mean, we're just continuing to drive on. Thank you so much for sharing that. And so if so, if I understand it right, though, gov like Governor Walker, he vetoed the mascot logo law? Correct. And that means that the mascots are okay? Yes. All right. Thank you for sharing that um, and your experience with, with testifying and everything. That is really powerful. Okay, well, I guess, you know, thank you so much. As, as we look to, to wrap up our interview here, um, you know, are there just some final things that you would like to share that educators should know about um, creating supportive learning environments for American Indian youth? Well, you know, one of the things that you know, for Wisconsin, you know, I think we'll be able to build upon is um, DPI is American Indian Summer Institute. Uh, it's a five-day training right. um, put on through the DPI. And um, so WI has been able to partner with them and um, really promote that. Uh, so they average between, you know, about 80 to 100 teachers that participate for that week. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, if there's opportunities and whether it's at uh, national conventions like the NIA convention, National Indian 
uh, is going to be in Reno, Nevada this year. Um, folks to possibly uh, go out there because I mean you're talking a wealth of knowledge uh, at that conference. I mean national speakers and you know best practices, best models, and uh, successful programs. Um, you know, and, and the thing about we've been able to distinguish is you know teaching culture versus teaching culturally. You know, think about that for a second. So if you're an educator or a teacher and you're teaching culture, are you teaching culturally? So, you know, in our community, we, we teach culturally. You know, you're talking about some of our things I mentioned, our harvesting seasons. Uh, how is that associated with science and math? Mm. You know, being out in the woods, um, the specs that go along with making a wigwam, the ventilation that goes in. I mean, you're talking, you know, project-based uh, learning is, is one of the big uh, initiatives across Indian country that's uh, it's starting to take off. Because uh, as Indian people, I mean, generally we we tend to be hands-on people. You know, that's our learning style approach. Um, not so not so much of um, state standard testing is is uh, is always there, but it's not really the, the focus. You know, it's it's more about uh, how our our way is going to continue. And how do we apply those to those subject matters? Oh, wonderful. Yes, yeah, thank you so much. Um, all right, great. And, you know, and I think that that concludes our interview. Um, and, again, I just cannot express, like, you know, my gratitude and, and how grateful I am that you're willing to spend this time talking with me and, you know, for the purpose of this podcast. Um, you know, and I... I so appreciate you sharing your experiences, you know, as much as your expertise um, on a, your personal experiences. So, yeah, no problem. I appreciate um, you know being part of the the journey, you know, with um, yourself and the other folks, you know, uh, be able to share. Um, you know, I'm just one small piece of the puzzle, you know, a very small piece uh, in the larger scope of things. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mr. Jackson. All right, well, thank you, and you have a good day. All right, thanks, you too. Bye. Bye-bye. To find out about other Great Lakes Equity Center podcasts and other resources, visit our website. To subscribe to a podcast, click on the podcast link located on the Great Lakes Equity Center website at www.greatlakesequity.org. The Great Lakes Equity Center is funded by the U.S. Department of Education to provide technical assistance, resources, and professional learning opportunities related to equity, civil rights, and systemic school reform throughout the six-state region of Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, Minnesota, Ohio, and Wisconsin. The contents of this presentation were developed under a grant from the U.S. Department of Education. However, these contents do not necessarily represent the policy of the Department of Education, and you should not assume endorsement by the federal government. This podcast and its contents are provided to educators, local and state education agencies, and or non-commercial entities for the use for educational training purposes only. No part of this recording may be reproduced or utilized in any form or by any means, electronic or mechanical, including recording, or by any information storage and retrieval system without permission in writing from the Great Lakes Equity Center.
Finally, the Great Lakes Equity Center would like to thank Indiana University School of Education, as well as Principal Investigator Dr. Kathleen King Torius and Co-Principal Investigators Dr. Brendan Maxey and Dr. Tashun Nguyen for their leadership and guidance in the development of all tools and resources to support